What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another special edition Villanova basketball recap episode of the Did You Hear podcast. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, I have a super extensive recap today after a 20-point win over St. Joe's. Villanova's pretty good. I think we have to break down every single portion of this game to fully understand what happened. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. It was very enticing, and, and once we had a 27-point lead, that's where really things got into gear for me. Yeah, listen, that that offense is firing on all cylinders right now. It is It is very, very impressive so far from them. Looking at it, they have eclipsed 70 points in seven out of eight games so far this season. Uh, they've eclipsed 84 times already this season. We, we've talked about it before. The defense can get a little scary at times, but when that offense is firing, and today it was firing, other than Gonzaga, there's not too many teams that can keep up with them scoring the basketball. You're right, and I love those numbers, but Gonzaga scares the hell out of me. Oh, Gonzaga's the best team in the country. No one comes close. I don't in, even in think it's close, Yeah, especially no, today. No, no, no. There's no one that comes anywhere near that team. But just offensively-wise, Villanova's up there in the elite offenses in the country. No, I completely agree. And I, I think slow starts are the MO for Villanova every single year. We have this problem. Imagine if we played as well in the first half as we do every single game in the second half. We would be the best team in the country. We would be the best offensive team in the country. And when we look the way we did tonight, shooting 50% from the floor and 36% from three, on an off night for our offensive catalyst, Colin Gillespie with only seven points, that is a huge win. And now we're 7-1 and one on the season. This was also, to give some context here, this was our consolation game because the UVA game at MSG was to be held today, canceled because of Virginia COVID issues. So for this to be the makeup game, of course, it's not the caliber of opponent you would have wished for, but to get this confidence from the offense feels really good. Yeah, and to your point there, I I actually think that someone that deserves a a shout-out for this Villanova season so far is Mark Jackson. I mean, how hard it's been to be able to reschedule these games. Think of the cancellations. That's a great point. Villanova's already had this year, what, three, four games have already been canceled? And you've seen Virginia Tech just came in on a whim. Hartford game got scheduled on a whim. Uh, St. Joe's got got scheduled here. They're moving around the the St. John's game later on this month to now be in January. Like... Mm -hmm. This is not easy. Like, this is not how schedules are supposed to work. It's supposed to be set in September, and that's just how it is. And obviously, as we know, with the world around us, everything is fluid right now. So I I have to say hats off to Mark Jackson and Villanova Athletics for being able to really adapt to everything that's going on and continue to schedule these games. But you are 100% right and that my biggest takeaway from this game is that even with Gillespie only having seven points, only taking eight field goals and sh- making three of them, all four of, of the other starters were in double figures. And you had Robinson Earl lead the way with 25, Moore and Daniels with 19, and Samuels chipped in 12. I mean, that when Gillespie's not firing, but the rest of the team is, and you still score 88, pretty good offensive night. And basically no production from the bench. We've been Nothing. talking a lot about the bench depth and how productive the bench has been. And we have not seen that. We're going to talk about Brandon Slater specifically in a few minutes, but I wanted to go back to your Mark Jackson piece first, because that's very true. I'm hoping that we can get through the whole season without 
Villanova having any shutdowns, and then we can just work around the other team's problems. But the ability on the administration side to get everything scheduled, and then also on the players and the coaches to play any game possible, just to have experience on the court, I think that's very impressive too. And you've seen that in college football too. These guys want to play, and and it's it's coming down to that. But we we got some uh, some big news as the game started. Jeremiah Robinson Earl broke his nose during the Butler game, and we found out about it right before the tip. Yeah, that was a surprise. I, I know the Villanova account tweeted it out right before the game. I, I'm going through it, and I see Jeremiah Robinson Earl has a broken nose. And, of course, the first thing that goes through your head is, oh, no, is, is he going to miss any time? But if you read the rest of it, it says that he has a mask and is prepared to play today. And, oh, was he prepared to play today. 25 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. I mean, that's ridiculous. For, from a, a guy that usually plays down low, I know obviously he can step out and shoot the three, made two of them today. But six assists as well, second on the team in distribution. I mean, what what more is there to say about Robinson Earl, who also played very well in that Butler game, the win on Wednesday, 18 points and five rebounds in that game with a broken nose at some point in that game where he did not miss too much time. Um, <laughs> Jeremiah Robinson Earl is why he's on the Wooden Award watch list and another very impressive outing for the sophomore. We can't come up with any more compliments. We've compliments for him. That's why I'm laughing while yeah. I say this, because what more is there to say about him? And he's a sophomore. We've talked about every single part of his game and every single part of his game is just so dominant. And I thought his mid-range again today looked so good. He looked strong on defense, too. I was hoping he would eclipse that career high in points. I think he would have if this game was closer and he would have played more minutes down the stretch. But to have 25 points in his state, we just hope that it's not going to affect him more down the stretch because he's obviously the most important player to this program right now. Yeah, really. And what will be an interesting battle for him will be Marquette on Wednesday night, because I am positive that Theo John, their bruiser, is going to be trying to aggravate that nose and really play physical with Robinson Earl and see if that affects him, because that's what Theo John does best for Marquette. I was just going to say that. Uh, that. That is his role for the Golden Eagles. So yeah. that will be more of a test for Jeremiah. But I mean, coming through the first time playing with that mask impressive performance I mean we've seen it in the past it really the Colin really struggled with it last year when he had to play with the mask so it kind of it all depends on the player and kind of the comfort level I mean we saw him they referred to it on the broadcast he would kind of pull the mask up at the free throw line to be able to give himself a little bit of a break from it but obviously it didn't affect his play too much it seemed like the broadcasters were waiting for the other shoe to drop they They kept mentioning how much Jerry was fidgeting with the mask. And I think at some point, it's just a comfort level thing. It's not something you're used to. But I expected a little bit more of a a specific matchup for Jerry in the post with Daly, Ryan Daly on St. Joe's. And he had 11 points. He was 5 of 9. His statistics during his collegiate career, are unbelievable. He's one of five or six active players in Division One to have over 1,500 points and over 600 rebounds. He's all over the court. He was, I want to say this properly, he was the one opposing player to score the most points against Villanova all season last year. 
Yeah, it was Does that incredible. sound right? Yeah. Yeah, 32 points last 32 year. 32 points. That's the most any opposing player scored against the Cats. He, the, t- the few times that he did drive, it looked like such a bad matchup for us that I couldn't understand why they didn't run that play every single time St. Joe's had the ball. It's funny that you mention that as well, because remembering back to the 2019 game against St. Joe's, Daly did drive every single time. And Villanova did not stop him. I mean, it was the same thing over and over and over again. And he just killed Villanova with it on his way to 32 points. But Nova just, they were able to contain it a little better. Yes, he obviously did have some success driving to the basket, but they also forced him into a game-high five turnovers. So they really rattled him and were able to get around him with some double teams and force him into some bad decisions. And if he's not scoring and if he's not running that offense... I mean, St. Joe's is going to run into a little bit of trouble. I, I, I like what Billy Lang is is trying to build there. Obviously, plenty of experience with the 76ers, with Navy, with Villanova. It's year two. It's year two during COVID. So that program still has a long way to go. But if Daly's not leading the way only with 11 points and, as you said, only with nine field goals, they're, they're going to struggle to win. But also to give props to St. Joe's, they have played a brutal schedule so far on top of having a a shutdown due to COVID. I mean, they opened up against Auburn. They only lost that game by five. They played Kansas. Then they missed three weeks, played Drexel, played Villanova, and now are at number 10 Tennessee uh, this week. That that is a pretty brutal stretch for a program that is still trying to build themselves up. That's got to be one of the most brutal stretches any team has had. That's unbelievable. It really is. But no, this this program obviously has a long way to go, but you mentioned the head coach's experience. He has all of that under his belt. I think they have a few pieces in place that they can really build upon. And the fact that they stayed in this game for as long as they did, I thought was really impressive. I mentioned a lot on the Twitter. We have those uh, live tweets as the game is going on. They brought the energy. And that's all you can expect from a team like St. Joe's against Villanova. You're not going to be able to outshoot us. You're not going to be able to outplay us on defense. But they brought the energy, and that's what kept them close. And I think that's what uh, Billy Lang leaves with and says, okay, guys, you know what? We we, we did this. <laughs> you, you don't say this to your players, but I really don't think they came in expecting to beat Villanova. And then you just hope to get incrementally better every single game as the season goes on. Yeah, for sure. And another takeaway from that for, for them is that Jordan Hall scored 17 points as a freshman, you know, six rebounds and six assists as well. So as I said, it's going to take time for for Lang to really institute his plan and, and rebuild St. Joseph's. But y- you can take, you know, moral victories while you're still building up a program. And that's exactly the stage that they're in right now. So a freshman coming in scoring 17 points on the road against number seven Villanova. That, that's a small win for them. So it, with the scheduling, with what they're building, we'll, we'll see what happens. But of course, Villanova took care of business today, and that's what's most important. And can I also mention how many tall players they have? Yeah, really. That was, that was impressive. They have, the, they have the size to create some mismatches. And also, they shot almost 45% from the floor. So I don't think they're walking away thinking they had a bad shooting night. They just got outplayed. That's the bottom line. I think we can probably agree. Uh, no, maybe not St. Joe's. Jerry was player of the game for Villanova, correct? I would say so. Uh, St. Joe's, Funk had a great game. Four for eight from three-point range. I'm going to go with that. And also, <laughs> he had that really long bank shot. They're yes. not They're not afraid. No. They're not afraid. And I think that's, that's good for this 
burgeoning team to build around. No, I, I, I agree. Like I said, I thought it was... It, it's not like St. Joe's got embarrassed in this game. While while Villanova had a comfortable lead in the second half, this this was far from a, a train wreck type game. So they'll take that. But an interesting point that I know we did want to talk about is that we referred to, to bench depth before. Brandon Slater only played three minutes today. Now, I think that's very interesting because Slater, his role has continued to grow more and more. We know how much Wright values his defense. I have to think some sort of injury popped up today, right? For him to only play three minutes when Villanova was up by 27 at one point in the second half, that one feels a little strange. Three is extremely unusual. I can't help but go to the worst in terms of an injury. On the one hand, I think it's good to continue to give opportunities to Eric Dixon. We were talking before we started recording about how he did struggle this game, uh, in terms of being a little bit too physical on the offensive end and and causing all those offensive fouls, I think reps are the only thing that's going to help Eric Dixon continue to get adjusted to the system. But in the same vein, Brandon Slater, a player that's still developing on offense and defense, to not give him those minutes for any reason other than an injury, I think is a mistake that Jay Wright isn't making at this point. Yeah, I agree. I I don't even have bunch to say on this because I feel like it has to be an injury so I obviously we hope it's not too bad we hope they're being overly precautious with them um but we'll, we'll see if Villanova releases anymore because that just feels way too strange and, and it was something that wasn't mentioned on the broadcast at all that Slater had only played the three minutes but you know it's just he's someone that has been playing more and more minutes for Villanova this season I've really liked what I've seen out of Slater he's even shown the slightest of a three-point shot this year, which is really important because it's something that he hasn't had at all going into this season. I mean, yeah, he's averaging 14 minutes a game so far. So I just, I will be very interested to see kind of what the follow-up is there for him. We mentioned in our Villanova basketball preview episode that any semblance of an offensive presence would be a a A step in the right direction, a win. Definitely. And we definitely were starting to see glimpses of that. And we've talked a lot about how good our bench is coming along with those eight guys. Again, we still don't have Antoine or Demir Cosby Roundtree. But to go from eight to seven and to have now the, the second guy off the bench, Eric Dixon, that suddenly becomes pretty concerning if Slater turns out it is an injury concern. No, it, it definitely is because that depth whittles away very quickly if three of those bench players are injured in, in Cosby Roundtree, Antoine, and Slater. So hopefully it's not too bad. And then as you talk no. about any semblance of offense really from him, here's a stat you would never imagine. Brandon Slater is shooting 80% from three. <laughs> yes, he's only, he's only attempted six, but he's made four of them. Six actually is higher than I thought. I thought you were going to say two or three. So <laughs> No, that's more a- than that. But uh, he's, he's only attempted six, but he's shooting 80%. Yeah. All right, I have a question for you, Pat. We mentioned Collins off game, three for eight, only seven points. Other players had great performances, so I think that gets, you know, swept under the rug a little, which is fine. But I, I keep seeing this trend. We've seen it in games in the past. We've talked about it on these recap episodes what is it when Colin Gillespie is on the bench that allows other teams to capitalize? All of a sudden, we look like a different team when Colin Gillespie isn't on the floor. And yes, when he has an off night, other players are able to step off, step up, I mean. But I'm talking literally 
when it's the 1230 and Jay Wright's trying to get any sort of rest from Colin, why do teams get a run going when he's on the bench? I don't think it's a coincidence anymore. I don't think it is either. And where I go with that is on offense. There simply is nowhere else on no one else on this team that can handle the ball as well as Gillespie and really get guys in position. And I think that's really important. The other thing on offense is his off ball movement. If you watch him is it's spectacular. The way he cuts to the basket, the way he's able to find space around the three point line. That is so important. A, cause he's able to find shots for himself, but B he's able to have defenders get drawn out to him and could lead to an open shot for, for his teammates. And then on defense, defense is the really interesting one, right? Because you look at it and Gillespie is, definitely not the best defender probably not even one of the best defenders on the team he's he's not super athletic he's not super long he's not super quick but the defense certainly plays better when he's out there and what i to to avoid giving a complete cliche answer but i i just i think he just knows the system better than better than anyone else his basketball iq is so high he's able to position himself well and that makes an impact on, on everyone else out there. And on top of all of that, to, to go to the cliche, then just the intangible leadership that he brings out there is kind of unquantifiable and is just so important to this team. The leadership is the obvious value to me as well. And we're going to talk about Robinson Earl being the potential lottery pick leaving this year after maybe a National Player of the Year campaign. But Gillespie continues to be the anchor of this offense and defense, and that's never something to to glance over because I think it's really important, and opposing teams pick up on that and how the the intangible atmosphere shifts when Gillespie's on the bench. Agreed. There is a there is a palpable difference in this team when he is sitting on the bench. And listen, he needs to get his rest, obviously. Jay can't run him out there for 40 minutes every single night. That's why Nice, like tonight, when he plays 30 out of 40, are they're good because they add up over the season with just that limited run on him because you know how many games he's going to play, 36, 37, 38 minutes. So, but no, there is absolutely a difference on there. And I really do think a lot of it just comes down to leadership and basketball IQ. I completely agree. And so, again, we're disappointed that we didn't get the Villanova-UVA matchup, but for us to come out and play the way we did amidst all the circumstances that all these players and coaches have had to deal with, I'm happy with the 88-68 to win. At home, it was nice being home again, and we play at Marquette on Wednesday, and this is the last game to round out the first half of the schedule that the Big East release and now the Big East has released the second half too we were supposed to play St. John's on the 30th that game was postponed to give players more rest and then after that we're in January and we're in we're in the real stretch of things for the Big East conference yeah so Wednesday night's game is going to be exciting being that this is a new look Marquette obviously Marquette has been known for over the years it was the Hauser brothers they're gone Marcus Howard's gone so this is kind of the new era of Marquette and what I will say watch out for DJ Carden the point guard for them transfer from Ohio State a very solid player um, and so it, it, it's it'll be a fun game listen Marquette as we know always gives Villanova game it's a big east game it's the day before Christmas Eve it it this should be a fun one on Wednesday night Dana O'Neill mentioned how a lot of these teams could catch lightning in a bottle and really make a push for the Big East title, and I think it would be foolish to count Marquette out of it. 
their guard game is still very strong. They're obviously recovering from the loss of Howard. But I think that's the beauty of the Big East. Any single matchup is going to be a game, no matter what. And it's just up to Villanova, the the perennial contender, to show why they're so good. And they have the numbers right now sitting at 7-1. and one. Yeah, they do. I definitely would not count Marquette out against Villanova, especially being that it'll be a home game for Marquette. They do play at Xavier tomorrow, so Villanova does get an extra day of rest uh, going into that game. But no, this this is going to be, I would expect, just a classic Big East matchup and games games in uh, against Marquette on the road, as we know over the past couple of years, can get very interesting. So this should definitely be a, a game that gives us some fireworks and uh, will be a good measuring stick for Villanova in the conference. Yeah, I like that. We, we need a, we need an, another measuring stick game. We had it against Texas. We had it against Arizona State. I don't want us to lapse against the lesser competition. I think it'll be good for us. Yeah, I think so too, especially as they start to now really get into the swing of conference play. A little awkward to have St. Joe's kind of put in there right after your first conference game. Yeah. But obviously, that's just how the schedule is going to work this year. Um, but now as they really get into the Big East swing, I think you'll see things really ramp up on the intensity levels. Yeah, game's a game. We are certainly in no place to be complaining about watching Villanova basketball. Absolutely. Just thank yeah. God it's here. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, make sure you hit that subscribe button anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to tune in next week. We'll have we'll have back-to-back episodes. Like you said, we'll have our normal episode dropping on Wednesday, and we'll have our, that recap episode Wednesday night or Thursday. So once again, a double week of Did You Hear, Pat? I mean, what else could you want? There's just more and more content. We keep right before on going Christmas. Through. Exactly. Perfect. The perfect Christmas present. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Go Cats, and we'll see you next week. Go Cats.